Chris, it's Trevor, it's Avery, it's Pat, it's a citywide special. We got a jam-packed show for you tonight, recording on a Tuesday night, the 21st. Uh, NFL free agency fallout continues. We got Eagles players coming, players going, players staying. B. John Robinson is in town for a pre-draft visit with the Birds. Could this mean that Howie Rosen might actually draft a running back in the first round? And Captain America, Trey Turner, is on an absolute tear in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, he and the rest of Team USA take on Japan in the finals as we speak. In fact, he's already hit a home run in the game. And Bryce Harper, could he be making his return to the Phillies sooner than later? The Sixers, win streak comes to an end with a dreadful performance against the Chicago Bulls, punctuated by James Harden's worst game as a Sixer. Did he sustain an injury or was he just plain shit? And finally, have the NBA media sickos finally come to their senses as Joel Embiid now sits as the odds-on favorite to win the MVP. All that and more coming up right now. How's it going, fellas? Pretty good, pretty good. Can't complain, man. Tuesday, changing it up from a Monday, but second day of spring, coming in hot, nice and pleasant out in Philadelphia. Got to have a nice little stoop beer before we got going, so it feels, feels good to be back. Yeah, yeah, I would say uh, second day of spring feels good. It's nice that it's not pissing rain like the last couple times we recorded this podcast. Got yeah. to enjoy my walk over, smell smell the the beautiful South Philly air. <laughs> yeah. Have a, a nice stoop beer with the brethren. <laughs> and hot uh, piss is <laughs> in the air. It's springtime, baby. And some cherry blossoms. They're out there, too. Yeah. So it's a good, it's a mixture, you know. Yeah, we'll have the uh, the cum trees. They'll start to mm-hmm. uh, oh, pollinate. Sure, yeah. The uh, what are they called? The I don't know what they're actually the called. The ginkgo trees. I think right? we just got them stuck on the cum trees, so that's the kind of just trees. what. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But for the first citywide special podcast, we actually have a citywide here in front of us for the first time, which would be nice to partake in before we get going. All right. Yeah. So cheers with so, this uh, cheers. fireball little airplane bottle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Airplane bottle. Fireball. Here we go. There we go. Cheers, fellas. brothers. Cheers. All right, now we're really get ready, really ready to get started. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as we said earlier, World Baseball Classic. Um, Trey Turner's been absolutely killing it. He had two home runs against Venezuela. He had another one in the semifinal uh, against Cuba, and he hit another one just a few minutes ago. Um, yeah, number best shortstop in the world, and he's a Philly. Yeah, like I honestly kind of forgot that he was a Philly until maybe halfway through spring training, looking down the roster. I see Trey Turner. I'm like, Holy shit, they got this guy. Yeah. And then obviously watching him in uh, the World Baseball Classic, man, it's been it's been special. I uh, he's the best hitter that they've had since Chase Utley, and ironically enough, is uh, very much a, a right-handed Chase Utley that plays shortstop. I was comparing their baseball reference numbers through their first five or six years of their career and very similar. So excited to have him and looking forward to seeing uh, what he can do the rest of this game and obviously for the Phillies. Big pickup. I mean, I was excited when we got Harper a couple years ago, but there was a lot more hype, right? They were coming into town, him, Machado. Like, it was definite we were going to get one of them, so it was a clear cut. Knew that he had some friends already in the Phillies lineup with Harper as well as Schwarber and all that familiarity. But you never know what could happen with all that stuff, but – Love to see a GM that is okay with paying a little fine or a tax for 
you know, overpaying other guys. And Turner can hit a comp ball out of a freaking stadium. That guy, <laughs> it's amazing to watch. And good to see in a crunch time. Beautiful swing. 0-2 count, bases loaded. Crush that ball out of the park. Love to see it. And I just am so excited. I was excited last year for the Phillies. I cannot wait to see what this lineup does all together. Damn near half the lineup on the World Series team. Yeah, it's wild. I feel like the uh, – and also, I mean, I feel like the in a lot of these like preseason rankings a lot of people are doing, the Phillies have been a little disrespected, I think. Um, and it's kind of wild. I mean, I can understand that, you know, they had a very unconventional run to the World Series. It's not like um, – I mean, it's not as simple as just saying, like, well, we're the NL champs, this and that. But they did make it. And then what did they do in the offseason? They added the best shortstop in baseball, as I've been talking about. They improved their bullpen pretty substantially, I think. Um, and then you also have uh, Taiwan Walker sort of rounding out the line, the uh, the starting rotation. Uh, Andrew Painter, you know, we'll see what happens with this, uh, you know, elbow injury we have. It's still kind of unclear what the timetable is going to be on him, but this would be a pretty fucking good team. Yeah, I think last year during the World Series run, people made it seem like the Phillies weren't really supposed to be there. I mean, they spent a lot of money last offseason, a lineup full of all-stars, guys that – have won World Series that have been playoff performers. It wasn't this un- unpredictable thing that they made it last year. And to your point, they only got better. So to say that they were a Cinderella story last year, I think was kind of overblown. They should they should have been good last year. I was somewhat surprised, but not as surprised as the national media. And uh, this year, people are bringing up the point that, you know, the Braves and the Mets are very good. They seem to be sleeping yeah. on the fact that the Phillies are also I also think that like, it's good. great to be like a team that came into the playoffs as a Cinderella story, knowing that our team was stacked. I mean, even last year, they didn't play up to the standard of a good team. You know, Harper goes down for a couple months, and they did okay. They did all right without him, and that was okay. You lose the playoff spot. You got to go into the, the plane and all that, which they did phenomenal in. But once Harper got back there, the world got to see, okay, this is why the Phillies – were predicted to be a playoff team in the beginning of the season. Obviously, it's a long, long series, and I get that long, long season. But you know, I think this year coming in, I I don't think that Cinderella story is going to stick. I think there's expectations not only from the city, but there's going to be some people out there in the media and things like that that are going to look at this team and go, "Okay, they can't not they can't not run that back." Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, that we can kind of say, just talking about how they compare to other teams and how they should be able to run it back, is that the the World Baseball Classic really hit the Mets pretty hard. Um, Yeah. Oh, hard. Some might say that was a masterpiece in motion watching. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) shout out Tito. Look, if it had to happen to someone, I'm glad it was the Mets. (laughs) Right. Um, Just to clarify, we were, of course, talking about Edwin Diaz suffered an injury, not playing baseball, but celebrating a victory after the game. Uh, ends up tearing his patellar tendon mm-hmm. and is likely out for the season. And uh, boy, the the Mets fans are sure having a normal one over this. I guess that trumpet solo is more. They are shitting and pissing their diapers on, a, uh, on an extreme scale. Uh, you know. In fact, I uh, I think the the you know the the uh, New York Sanitation Department is threatening to go on strike <laughs> unless their wages are raised due to the unprecedented volume of uh, adult diapers that are littering the streets of Manhattan. 
They're, they're, bu- they're building a stairway to heaven, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and the stairway is made of shit. At least he has a great walk-up song to go up that staircase, I uh, will say. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> That's the only thing I'm, I'm going to miss. I'm looking forward to not hearing that song this year, I got to tell you. <laughs> God damn. And it's like, look, I mean, look, and just to you know, clarify, Edwin Diaz, great pitcher, uh, you know. It sucks, even though I we all hate the Mets, it sucks to see a guy like that get injured. Game's better when you have people like that playing. But uh, you know, the thing that's been really annoying is that, uh, you know, these Mets fans are just completely turning on the World Baseball Classic as a concept because of this. And it's not, and mm-hmm. you know, and granted, if, one of, if, if Trey Turner or Schwarber or Real Muto got a, a season-ending injury, of course we would be furious about it. But, like to turn around and be like, well, this is, you know, this is a stupid, meaningless, fake tournament. Uh, they shouldn't be playing it now. None of these stars should be playing in it. It's just like, it's just founded on nonsense. If Trey Turner or Schwarber has a season-ending injury because they hit a home run and they trip over first base or they're slotting in the second and they break their thumb, that's different. But to have one of your best players go out because they celebrated a game that they weren't in, that is hysterical to me. That's like, come on now. That's his own fault. And you sign up for that shit when you exactly. join these teams. Like, you know, when they have Team USA, when Kobe was playing with, you know, LeBron and they were all in their prime, the, the potential for someone tearing their ACL is just as high, if not higher, because it's such an intense game. But to go out the way he went out, that's just tough to swallow right there. I mean, yeah. it is brutal for sure. Yeah, I mean... These guys sign up for it. They they want an opportunity to represent their country on the highest level. So to to say that the World Baseball Classic shouldn't be around because he got hurt, you're kind of ignoring the fact that this is what they dream of. This is what they want to do as kids. So Mets fans aren't really seeing it. They're just being selfish and seeing it as, oh, we're New York Mets fans. We're entitled. We want to win a, a World Series. We don't really give a shit what our players want to do. And – uh yeah. It's also is, fucking baseball. They're not playing football I mean, or wrestling could, over yeah, here. And also, I mean, this could this could happen to someone in you know playing spring training. I mean, someone brought it up that like I think it was like Mariana Rivera the one year got like injured like shagging balls in the outfield during right. batting practice. I mean, this shit could happen. Like when, you don't know what's going to happen. But uh, you know, the thing that drives me crazy is these like people who are trying to claim that this is a you know stupid like meaning like no one cares they keep it's like they just keep saying no one cares about this it's like what you really mean is that americans don't care about it because <laughs> right. like, largely like sure i mean the guy you know i'm sure if you're having like a water cooler conversation at work or something most of the guys you're talking to probably have not been watching the world baseball classic but in japan the the television ratings are like blowing out the world series they're like approaching like super bowl levels I think the last Puerto Rican game they had, uh, there was something like 40% of the televisions in Puerto Rico had the game on. Uh, so it's just an absurd thing to say. Like, this doesn't, I mean, it's just like a very. Also, classic uh, New York had Diaz like thrown a perfect game or done something crazy. They'd be like, oh my God, we got, like, this is it. We're so good. I can't wait to have a back at, you know, playing for the Mets and, you know, regular, you know, postseason, all this stuff. The fact that he went out the way he went out just taints the whole rest of the whatever they have imagining in their head about the World Baseball Classic. But you can't knock that, like you said, for just a stupid injury. That was just bonehead right there. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's I a freak it, incident. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could have like, I mean, it's kind of, it's like the equivalent of if you had like slipped in the shower or something like that. <laughs> right. It's just a weird thing. It's not even, it wasn't even like something that happened while playing the game. Yeah, I think back to, uh, I forget who it was on the Phillies. I don't even remember when it was, but someone got hurt picking up their kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so or what? Are we supposed to ban right. picking or, uh, up your children yeah. now? Or? <laughs> Fucking Andrew Bynum bowling. <laughs> yeah. That's like a, I mean that's like a whole other level of uh, pathetic, but freak injuries happen. <laughs> John Runyon broke his coccyx getting out of a a tub at, like an ice bath after an Eagles game, but instead of bitching about it and banning ice baths, my man played. He just played with that injury. I mean, you can't play with that obviously, yeah, yeah. but you know, but you're not gonna shut down like you know a certain aspect of rehabilitation because one person has a freak injury. Just like you're not gonna shut down a you know world game that everybody clearly is about yeah. and i think it was like uh, i think there was like an interview with some of the i want to say it was like the dominican players asking them like which do you think is like more important for you to win in your career like the world series or the world baseball classic and they had a hard time answering like right. they take it very seriously dude you're representing your country on the the best of stages like the highest of stages i i would yeah, which is something that's, like, not as big of a thing in, like, baseball. I mean, they do play baseball in the Olympics, but it's, like, obviously, like, a pretty minor thing. No, but sometimes, this I'm not going like, to lie. This is, like, a whole event dedicated mm-hmm. to world baseball. On a Saturday, if I'm watching the U.S. curling team play in Canada, sometimes I get a little crazy for that. I'm not going to lie. It's something about watching your country play a sport in general. I mean, this country loves sports. And if I can find time to just drink a beer and watch somebody do anything that's competitive, that's exciting to me. And if someone blows their ACL playing curling, I'm not like, let's shut this sport down. I can't watch it anymore. I'm like, ah, well, game's a game, baby. Yeah. And they, and on top of that, the quality of these games have been amazing. Yeah. yeah. They've been really good games. It's not just – I mean, I, I feel like maybe in a, a few years past the I, – I, I don't know. I can't say this about all the other teams, but I know like at least like the U.S. didn't really have – you know, weren't bringing their best, so to say. But, um, yeah, I mean, all, all these lineups are stacked with, you know, ML, MLB talent – you know really good players and they've been like fun games the atmosphere has been crazy um yeah and it, and it's like it's, and especially for a sport like baseball which is like to be honest is like in decline in the united states like mm-hmm. this is exactly the type of thing you want if you're major league baseball having an event like this to like raise the profile of right before a big season two coming up i mean we touched on it too earlier about you know how international basketball teams have gotten so much better too, where you can't just rely on your all-star Americans playing on an international level and just dominating everybody where baseball is kind of coming up with that. It's, you know, it's expanding Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Cuba, Japan. I mean, there's teams out here that are giving other teams a run for their money. And unless your studs come out. And especially is more is a very fun in base because with basketball, you know, usually the better team's going to win. But um, baseball is such a high variance sport mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. like a you know they have like a small group stage and then single elimination, so you can get like some crazy upsets. I mean, uh, Cuba was not expected to go very far at all; they almost got to the finals. Uh, so you know, you have like some great storylines there. It's just a fun tournament, and they're hitting dingers. They are. What you want to see? You, you don't want to see a one nothing game. Dingers. You want to see people hit that ball out of the park. I mean, come on now, USA. We're. Cl- I mean, I'm on the fence always with steroids a little bit just with baseball because for a minute u.s baseball was boring as hell no one's gonna try to watch a nine any game where it's two nothing baseball yeah they did yeah so mcguire race save baseball i mean really now 
I'm all about or I shouldn't say I'm all about steroids in baseball. But <laughs> I love them. I, 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 I take them every day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not opposed to steroids. I wouldn't even be awake right now <laughs> if, I didn't, if I wasn't if my blood wasn't uh, just filled with steroid juice. <laughs> yeah, steroids in baseball, like they they did save baseball, and quite frankly, Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. But that's that's a different discussion, I think, as far as the World Baseball Classic goes. Yeah, these games have been awesome. I dare say that. I mean, as a Phillies fan, obviously I watched the the playoffs last year, but in the 10 years or so that the Phillies weren't making the playoffs leading up to this past season, I didn't really watch playoff baseball, but the World Baseball Classic to me has just roped me in. Like every game that I've seen has been really exciting. A lot of dingers, a lot of uh, people I haven't heard of that may or may not be on major league teams getting their chance to really make a difference yeah there was someone i think um i forget which team it was he was playing for but there was someone i think it was the detroit tigers signed him after he had a good showing in the world baseball classic also something to be said about one and done too like you know it's there's not like a if correct me if i'm wrong it's not like a five game series here mm-hmm. yeah like if you would say wins tonight like a, it's, it's over. kind of like the um i guess it's a little similar to the world cup where there's like a group stage where they play like but then each that's team it one and done yeah so they play yeah. like th- like three games or four that's games exciting i win. mean that's what i think has hurt a lot of leagues as well is that like you know that's why football is so exciting because you go you, it's all this anticipation for the game they win or lose you're either heartbroken or you're Static. Yeah, Where baseball, not gonna lie, when the Phillies were in it, I loved it. But the fact that, you know, we didn't expect to get there, then they get there. They had to play in series, which isn't just one game. That was like three, which they cleaned up. But still, it's like you know, by the end of that, it's like two months of your life. You're like, holy shit, I'm I'm beat. My heart is exhausted. My liver's hurting. You know, yeah, everything's I mean, banged the, up. The world, the world. I was yeah. The world's because like I mean, I'm not like going out on weekday nights all the time but for the world series i was like going out to the bars every game and oh, i was God, yeah. i was destroyed by the end i was like god damn yeah there were a couple days i remember we lost but i need mm-hmm. a break from the shit i remember clocking into work having no voice and having to be in meetings all day and just yeah. thinking you know this is really exciting but it'll be great when i can go to a meeting at work and have a voice and not look like shit on camera exactly but uh, i guess Shifting gears from maybe the the global perspective of baseball, we can talk a little bit about the the Phillies. Haven't really been paying super close attention to spring training, but uh, do understand that as Trevor mentioned in the open, Bryce Harper seems like he could be back sooner yeah. than people anticipated. John Middleton in uh, an interview, I forget, I don't know who this is with, but in some interview today, he mentioned that uh, they are not going to be putting Bryce Harper on the sixty day IL, which means he could potentially return in may like before before may 29th so and he's already i mean i know he's like out like taking ground balls he's been doing some you know light baseball activities or whatever you want to call it so that'd be huge because that's i mean going into the off season i think some people had like their expectations tempered a little bit on the assumption that bryce harper was going to be out for half the season or something so yeah. this is pretty that's huge if he's actually only going to be out for you know, a couple months. Monumental. And it's not like last year where he was out for a while and you were like, man, you're relying on these young guys, which they got great experience, you know, playing that lineup and, and just getting comfortable being in those shoes to fill, you know, big shoes to fill. But the fact that you have Trey Turner, I mean, it kind of doesn't speed up the clock at all. You know, if you get 
if you get Harper a little bit earlier than expected, that just nothing but helps out the team. Where if he does need some more time or needs to take another month off, that's okay because you got you stacked up the lineup. You helped the pitching. You know the bullpen's looking somewhat decent. We won't know till they play some actual talent. You know spring training's fun and all, but every team's kind of tempering their expectations. But once you get into the heat of things, if Harper needs some more time, these yeah, signings should give you that room it, to do. Yeah, it's not like I mean I remember uh, the. You know when the uh, when the Phillies had their last run, where it was kind of like coming to the end of it, and Chase Utley was dealing with those knee injuries. Oh and he was God! Always mm-hmm. And it was just like Jesus Christ, when the fuck is Chase Utley going to be back? Like we're so fucked if we don't get him. And now it's like if yeah, Bryce Harper can take off some time. Like I'm not like that sucks, but and just listen to what you just not, said. Like, screwed if Bryce Harper can just take some time. We're so like it's okay because that's how stacked this team is we are so lucky right now like there's no cinderella essence at all but the fact that our team's that well yeah the lineup's insane and uh another thing with everything that people have been saying about alec boom during spring training is just nothing but positives like i've like i mean i haven't really watched a ton of spring training but but you know he's been hitting very well and all the reports are saying that like his swing looks better he's, he's like, sitting for a lot of power. muscle yeah he's like he packed put some on meat muscle. on too this year yeah because i know like he had like you know very uh you know sort of like just straight level swing could maybe like hit some line drives or something but like never really had a whole lot of like lift on the ball last year so it wasn't like you know hitting for a ton of power but that seems to be changing a little bit so i mean if he starts really like raking i mean that lineup's like stupid good I think the other thing, like I said this at the towards the tail end of the World Series last year, but uh, I think Nick Castellanos is kind of due for a bounce back. Uh, I don't yeah. know why. Just to have had this hunch since about the middle of the World Series last year that this guy's going to deliver. So it's just hard to believe that he did that dip in performance was like an actual like real decline. Like that, mm-hmm. you know, He's young. I mean, some people have suggested that he was injured. It seems like a lot of signs point that he was playing through some kind of minor injury, which would explain a lot. I think living in Ben Simmons old house probably yeah. did him no favors as well. Hell did, no. did, did he move or is he still living there? I think he's still living there, oh, but man. hopefully he got all the bad juju out. He repainted yeah. the walls a little bit, you know, did some, you know, interior decorating, got some shit figured out a little bit, changed yeah. the feng oh, God, shui. That house needed so Renovate, much interior yeah. decorating he, he work. Like, he like got oh. rid of the gaming, the game room, <laughs> yeah. the gaming room, the yeah. Simo the Savage. Over, yeah, <laughs> painted over the Simo the Savage thing. Yeah, I think I'm expecting big things out of him. I would expect Kyle Schwarber now that there is no shift to hit a lot better than 210 or whatever he hit. Um, yeah, I mean that was wild too about Schwarber is that he was, uh, you know, an effective leadoff hitter despite having a very low batting average. Because he's, you know, walked a lot for a lot of power if he can actually... I mean, he was like Howard on a ways where like he was yeah. either home run or bust. But as a leadoff guy, it's not, you know, it's not terrible to have. But when your cleanup guy is home run or bust, that's what hurts you. And now he doesn't have to lead off because we got Mm-mm. Trey Turner, yeah. Captain America. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they construct the, the, the batting order. I would imagine Turner's leading off. Hoskins is batting second, a good on-base guy. Or do you put Schwarber second? Yeah, I mean, second or third. I'd I put mean, him in the three slot probably. Keep. You figure Turner's going to yeah. start you off. Maybe you put JT. You put right? JT at two. And you put Schwarber. 
the thing is there's so many weapons you're gonna have to test it like the first yeah. month or two is gonna be a shit show of lineups like you're gonna i mean yeah it's I mean, a good really spot no to be wrong in. answers i mean that's like you know the luxury of you know i feel like if you have a, a kind of a shitty lineup then the batting order becomes very obvious because it's like well we're gonna have our three actually good hitters <laughs> hit right. one two three and then it's just a crap or you know whatever the guy who hits a home run once in a while will back clean up but we have like three or four guys that can hit one they could hit three they could hit four or five like you know just I mean, by the time you just throw some darts at a wall seriously like they have an <laughs> embarrassment of riches like i'm just kind of curious see how they structure it but it doesn't really matter man when your <laughs> lineup's this stacked yeah it's gonna produce regardless that, like, of how i mean you set i know it. like the you know more advanced statistical philosophy kind of suggests that lineup order is a little overrated and you really should just right. like whoever gets on base the most you should have you know you just want your best hitters to get the most at bats and it's kind of as simple as that which yeah. i'm fine with i don't give a shit they could put fucking harper start off i don't i honestly don't cool. care like it doesn't really matter to me who they start off because this team like you said is so stacked it's it does it's it's not going to matter and I feel like come playoff time, which is where they should be, it's going to be dangerous. No one's going to want to come to Philadelphia in red October and play this lineup and have to pitch to this. I mean, you're talking deep to the seventh hitter almost, potentially. Especially you're if talking Bomb deep picks up. all the way through nine. I, I mean, mean Castellanos, Castellanos yeah, I mean, is probably weak, your who's eight. Who's the weak link? Right. Stott is probably your nine. And which Stott was very nice? good at the end of last year. Yeah, Stott, like, I mean, I think he still has some uh, – you know, some room to grow, obviously, but he's like very disciplined hitter. Can like draw some walks. He's like, little, gonna, like Harper's he's, little prodigy right there. Yeah. I mean, he like what I took from Stott last year was that he's, you know, has some work to do to really like develop as a hitter, but he's not, a, he's not getting himself out, which no. is like this, what you really like to see from a young guy like that. He's like, you know, not swinging at bad pitches, working counts. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But like I said, he's not getting himself out. Yeah, he's at least making the pitcher work. And uh, during the World Series, he wasn't a great hitter during the World Series, but he worked some really good at-bats, drew some key walks. I think if he's your nine-hitter, it's almost yeah. like having another leadoff hitter. And they the all got the that exterior, that experience. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you figure Baum, Stott, all that. I mean, you can't, you can't train that, that environment, that stress, that pressure. So the fact that they all got to experience that, and have that hunger similar to the birds, you know, it's only going to make them better. They already have the, you know, kind of blueprint to be a decent player and not, not make the little mistakes and be dumb and things like that. But to get better in those big moments, that will help them out in their career and make those guys be all-star trajectory or at least just a solid franchise player. Yeah. Looking good for the, looking good for the Phils. So uh, should we move on to our Eagles? Always, baby. So lot, lot to go over here. There was a <laughs> lot. I feel like we recorded in the next day, like a shit ton of things happened. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so I wish, should we start with the with the exits? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That probably makes the most sense. So I guess uh, headlining that would obviously be C.J. Gardner Johnson, who. Um, yeah, this this is quite a roller coaster with him. <laughs> you know, it looked looked like they were. I mean, I like. I mean, going back to a few days ago, I was pretty confident they were going to get something done. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. Just seems like there was maybe some. You know, uh, well, it, was weird. it was weird watching the movement because you figured, okay, they got Bradbury 
on a multi-year deal, which was interesting to see. And I figured, okay, so they spent money here. We figure they're going to either get CJ Garner-Johnson back or Slay. I mean, I know we had Slay for a year anyway, but I figured if you paid CJ Garner-Johnson for a multi-year deal, you would just ship out Slay, which I'm which I would have been okay with because we talked about it last time about maybe use that tenth pick for a corner. But then they bring back Slay, and that was a roller coaster of he said. It's been real. Yeah. Love you yeah, guys. So and then cool. I woke up the next day. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, shit, it was, we it got was like him. all but confirmed that he was released. And then right. all of a sudden, like, oh, never mind. So then by like Wednesday, now we have Bradbury. We went into the offseason thinking we're going to lose one or both. And we got both of them back, which was yeah. remarkable. I mean, we Harry Roseman sure. again, shout out. We were all for I, sure they were losing Bradbury. Right. Yeah, I remember saying he was good as gone last he, month. Yeah. He said, I got bigger offers, but I just love how it feels here. I'm like, fucking love that. All right, we'll take that every time. So we got Slay, we got Bradbury back. I figure, I didn't know what to expect with C.J. Garner-Johnson, to be honest. Once we got both corners, I was like, I don't really know what... We don't, we're not going to have the money to give him what he wants. If he wants to take a pay cut to come back to this team, cool. If not, he'll walk. And that's what happened. He didn't, he didn't like the money. And it's not that we didn't want to invest. We just couldn't invest this year in a multi-year deal. So my understanding of what happened was that uh, at the beginning of free agency, the Eagles gave him a figure they'd be willing to give him for a multi-year contract. And he saw that him and his agency saw this as a sign of disrespect. Figured, all right, we're going to go see what's what else is out there. Eagles said, okay, good luck. So the, him and his agency go out and see what's up. In the meantime, the Eagles figure he may or may not be back. Let's retain Bradbury. Okay, we get Bradbury back. Any update from CJGJ? No? All right, Slay, come back. And then CJGJ at that point turns around and sees what his market is. And for whatever reason, the demand's not that high for him. We can get to that. But uh, then the Lions offer him whatever, a year for $8 million. I think I saw a report today that said the Eagles had an opportunity to come back to him, and they chose not to. So he ended up settling for a one-year prove-it deal, which for him seems risky just because – I mean, safety play year of the year can be kind of volatile. He's going to a new scheme, a new system. Team that should be pretty good, but who knows? And, dude, it's the NFL. He could get hurt. He could tear an ACL in training camp, and that's it. And uh, I don't know. If I were him, I would have taken the Eagles deal, but I'm not him. And obviously his agency tweeted they were yeah, feeling some that, type of that, way. That is weird, man. Like, it, I, I, like, I don't know. I've never really seen like a uh, a guy's representation just shit talking on Twitter. That's bizarre. Yeah, usually they do it under the guise of like an Adam Schefter or right. A they kind of like feed little things. You know what to, I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. They don't just like shit post <laughs> about their negotiations. Like, and what they posted yeah. didn't even make any sense. Yeah. I still don't really know what they were trying to say. They were like, "Would you rather take this one year deal or this three year?" Like, with I was like, "What?" Yeah, I don't know. It's bizarre. And then like you know, you had like several. I mean, I there's too many even to go over all of the like tweeted and then deleted uh, CJGJ tweets. I mean, I don't know. But it's a good point, though. You know, you give him an offer. You get back Bradbury, nothing yet. You bring back Slay. I mean, and this draft is a friendly secondary draft. And you figure, he didn't give you a whole season. We got we got mm-hmm. him late in the year. Yeah, and the we four weren't games, terrible when he was out. No, the four or five games he had when he played, sure, the, the pick, inter, you know, the interception leader, that was great. I hear that. But Some of those interceptions were pretty damn fluky, though. And also now, 
if you figure you lose Epps as well, which I, I think that hurts more just because he's more versatile and he kind of still is a little bit of a wild card. You don't know where you're going to get. But the fact that you lock up your number one and number two cornerbacks, anybody could play safety. Not anybody, but it makes it easier. So, yeah, could CJ GJ be the guy that was making that happen for those four or five picks in a row? Potentially. But having seen those games and watching the film, a lot of them were tip balls. Exactly. They were yeah. already on, they were already getting swarmed by what would have been a Bradbury pick, but he was the one that popped it up for anybody. You could right. have caught that half those interceptions. Like it's not that he was making that play. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah, I and mean, I think it's a smart move having, having the hands to to catch him. But yeah, I mean, what? I mean, even even if they were all just like genuine, like really good interceptions, like that's not sustainable. Like there's just no yeah, way. It like, wasn't turnover a, lucky year of the year in the and, NFL. Yeah, it wasn't so an Asante much. Samuel diving in and catching that shit with twinkle yeah. toes to keep it in bounds. This guy was getting a lot of tip balls and disrupted passes to begin with, which is fine. I loved him for it. Like I didn't yeah. mind it, but you I mean, know, he's like a, you know, he was like a. A solid player for sure, but I, I love the energy. I don't know he if had that swag. Want to like back up the truck for mm-hmm. yeah. commit to all this all this money all these years? Not just, when you still have the big dog trying to get paid. Exactly. Every every dollar counts right now. You yeah. locked in damn near half the secondary, which is great. You're going to have a great pick to utilize for a secondary option. You brought in for third time in a row a secondary person from the Saints, specifically a safety. So you're covering holes here and there, you know, let the guy walk. He's not yeah. worth that much. It's okay. I wish him the best. Detroit's going to be decent this year, but, you know, he played the game and he got played. And it just seems like there is definitely something to the idea that the Eagles were turned off by just how the whole process was going with mm-hmm. him. I mean, the fact that, I mean, assuming that it's true, these reports that they were, uh, had the opportunity to match Detroit's offer and chose not to, I mean, that kind of tells you everything right I mean, there because that's something they easily could have done. If his agency is going to be that out of pocket on Twitter, I can only imagine how out, yeah. out of pocket they were right. in these negotiations. And like, yeah, I can imagine like Howie Roseman. It's like I'm not like fuck off. I'm not, I'm not dealing with right. this shit. You're not he the only Twitter safety what? in the NFL. Like, yeah, I mean, come on, you know. And it's like, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to sit here and try to like paint uh, paint CJ as this just like problem player or whatever. But like, there's a reason he slipped in the draft. Right. There's a reason the Saints didn't want to pay him. And now he's on to his third team in three years. I mean, the, when there's that much smoke, there's yeah. probably something there. If he goes to Detroit and lights it up, I'll be like, okay, fine. He won that deal. But as it stands, the fact that, in my mind, we're able to lock down our top two corners and had to let him go, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, if you have – I mean, we have still, like, now arguably, like, the best or one of the best or certainly one of the top, like, Top five. three. Top three, yeah, top at least. Three, probably, I mean, like uh, – cornerback tandems in the league Miami has a decent one they built Dallas yeah so on it's paper like, looks good but Gilmore didn't really do a whole lot and, last year and so the cornerbacks are that good you really just need like safeties that are you know competent and know what they're doing also Dallas's know? secondary really only gets benefit because of that front seven so it's not like let's all not hide around this shit like you know if you had a Micah Parsons on your defense I could play cornerback for that team true yeah I think uh I hear what you guys are saying. The Eagles do have two of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. But um, I think my biggest concern, not even just focusing on the two cornerbacks, but really just a lot of the guys the Eagles kept in general, is that they got old, or they didn't get old, but they didn't get younger, and these guys are going to get a year older. Yeah. Um, how do you guys feel about you know bringing back a bunch of old bunch guys, of over 30-year-old? I feel good. 
And the mm. only hot take I'll say is that we have like 15 picks next year. So Harry Rose was working deals out, and that's not even including compensatory picks for whatever we, he decides to do this year. So we already have double-digit picks next year. You figure you're going to lose a lot of those old guys like Kelsey and all that. But at the same time, they've been building that backlog the last two or three years. Cam Jurgensen, Jordan Davis, you know, preparing for Fletcher Cox to leave, Jason Kelsey to leave. And as Howie has shown in his years of being the GM, he fills gaps year to year just for that year. That's it. You know, it's not like he's building guys and getting free agency guys and being here for forever, unless they work out like a Slay or things like that, A.J. Brown, you know. But I feel slightly uneasy, but I feel confident in, in the process. Yeah, I mean, I guess the other thing too is, I mean, some of these guys that they brought back is like, well, who else would they get? I mean, when it came to re-signing Fletcher Cox, mm, it's like, true. Who you know, especially for the, what he came back for, like he probably he could have got more money elsewhere. He got that hometown discount. And we're pro- and that, so that's like probably the best option that we had available at at that position. And obviously it's like, you know, this is just our guy that we're bringing back. But um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to get better <laughs> when you like, yeah, like that's a, such true. a stacked team. And um and yeah I mean to your point like the way that how he's been drafting it this year and I saw um it was actually um Deniz on Twitter made this point that um that like the team has a big advantage because of the fact that Howie Roseman has like the best job security in the league of any GM pretty much like mm-hmm. and so because of that he doesn't have to worry about drafting for like plugging holes he can like draft for the best available player building for you know one year two years down the line which i think you know gives us a good uh, you know an advantage of you know sustaining Mm -hmm. and it has the fact that we went to the super bowl twice in five years i mean that that's a big move right there yeah i mean it might not be for other teams that have bigger expectations i mean philly fans we obviously we want to get back every year but we've been good you know, we've been a solid team since the Wentz era and Dougie P. We thought, oh, my God, rebuilding again. Like, when we lost well, Andy Reid, that shit was hot in the pan for a second with Chip Kelly, and then it went south real quick. We lost Dougie P. I'm like, I'm not ready for this again emotionally. But then Nick Sirianni came in and didn't do a bad job, but he didn't also kick Harry Roseman out of the building for forever either. Like, he kept that unit in there. And I think they have a good system set up. Yeah, I think where most of my fear stems from is just, you know, 2017, we win the Super Bowl. We try to run it back. 2018, we make the playoffs. We're decent. 2019, we decline a little bit. Then 2020, we hit rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And just because we kind of just kept bringing these old guys back, kept deferring money for the future years, and it just came back to bite us. Granted, Howie did build us back up really quickly, but uh, I don't know if we can expect that every time, which is where just this – I'm not saying that I'm expecting these thirty old over thirty year old guys to to just completely shit the bed, but I do have a little apprehension. With that said, I think you're that also, we did the best we could. I think your point is a good point where you're you know, you don't want to have to rely on these guys taking the hometown discount or bringing back the old guys because the city loves them and all that is, is all well and good. But the fact that you're bring back guys where sure, Cox could potentially he's not gonna give you that eight nine sack season anymore he had seven last year for sure with that defensive front 
you know, but he did stop a lot more. He's transitioning to more of a run stopper a little bit. Obviously, the defense as a whole is weak against the run, but he isn't that guy that's going to get back to the quarterback every play. Now, Brandon Graham, in his 13th, 14th year, double-digit sacks for the first time or whatever have you. Yeah, he had a little bit of a renaissance last year. It's not like you're bringing back old guys just to bring them back for the namesake. I mean, these guys are still producing, and you're getting them back just in case they can produce, even at half the level. If he can only give you five, six, seven sacks next year at 30-plus as a D-end, that's okay. And they teach the young guys coming in. You get a good draft coming in, and you got 12, 13 picks next year. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, they have, like, a ton of picks next year. I think it's like they have, obviously, the first thing, they have two seconds. They have, like, like five fifths or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, they're going to have a lot say. from the compensatory yeah, picks yeah. once they, they calculate those. Which, um, you know, could give them some room to, like, maneuver in this year's draft, maybe move up here and there or something like that. So, how? no, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go how ahead. How he's also, last thing I'll say, though, he's always been, like, a win-now kind of guy, too, where he looks a little bit to the future, but a lot of his scope is very much, what can I do to make this better this year and just win now? And sometimes it works for the future, right? Like, hopefully they sign Hurts, which they should but they need to find the money yeah. to do that. But once you get the staples locked in, he can find a way to get everything. He'll he'll, yeah. ma- he'll figure it out. I mean, the perfect example was this past year where they brought in Linval Joseph, Dominican Sue. Yeah. Like those are like like win now moves, but they were not, you know, they didn't kill the team. Gonna, yeah, yeah. There's nothing that's going to hurt them down the road. And they could be there again. Come, you know. Late in the season next year. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them comes back. Definitely. You bring back mind. Adamica Sue. Yeah, you know. was balling, dude. Yeah. yeah. And they look good. Yeah. And, like, yeah, if you have like, just, like, a light rotation, don't, like, rely on them too heavily, why not? But, yeah, I think as far as uh, seeing what that looks like, we'll see. Um, I was going to shift to the draft a little bit, Trevor. You had brought up using Bijan. some of these comp picks to, to move up and uh, – think we saw i guess it was yesterday Bijan was in town yeah we thought this may have had to do with mustard but it looks <laughs> like so hold up hold up so it, it doesn't have to do with mustard but what kind of mustard is it are we talking yellow spicy brown dijon Bijan? what are I'm we talking about here it's dijon because it's like it's called Bijan mustardson is the brand of the the mustard <laughs> this isn't a joke he has its own Bijan Robinson has a mustard brand, and I was and someone someone like brought this up uh, when people were like, you know, talking about uh, you know freaking out about this this. Uh, he had like an Instagram post where it showed that he was coming into Philly and had like a picture of the link and stuff. And someone brought up the mustard thing. It's like, damn, maybe he's maybe he's just in here trying to you know work some deals and get his <laughs> get his mustard just in, in case some his football shops, thing doesn't you know? work out. You know, try to be the exclusive mustard of uh, Cosmies or, or something. I respect that. If, or some if shit so. like that. The Pretzel Factory, he I mean, that would play his whole career. Bijan Robinson could have signed a signed a deal with the with the Philly Pretzel Factory, man. He wouldn't even have to be a Game football player. Game over. He's breaking it in for He can that. save those he'll knees. Be a, he'll be a Philly citizen for the rest of his mm-hmm. life if he does that. But uh, hold on. So what's y'all's favorite type of mustard? Curious. We We got honey mustard. Spicy brown, classic yellow, Dijon, Grey Poupon, right? That's a mustard. I mean, Grey Poupon. I think it's just like a brand of Dijon. Grey oh. Poupon is. Poupon. It's a Dijon, right? 
I thought I that it was is. like bougie mustard. I think it's a brand. Yeah, I think it's oh. a bougie yeah, it's brand. A, it's a, it's brand. a bougie it's, brand. I don't think it's a type of mustard. Oh, I, think okay. I think it's like a. I don't know if I it's the brand as as of Dijon. I think I'm pretty sure you can buy it at Acme. Great Poupon. It's, that great sounds Poupon. so bougie. Well, love, yeah, it's but I think it's just the marketing. They want you to think it's bougie, but it's but when you that's not bad. When you think of Dijon mustard, though, you think of Great Poupon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like I you, feel you like know, it's like that, how you think of uh, you know it's um you know some people take hand me a Kleenex instead of a tissue or a band aid. But you wouldn't say pass me the grape bond. You would say give me the Dijon mustard. Give me the Dijon exactly. Mustard. Yeah. Well, so their, their marketing isn't effective like Kleenex. Well, yeah, they're not. They're not quite where they want to be. Well, that's why they are a mustard they're, company. They're not really, yeah, you know. Not, yeah, fair enough. I'm I, in the Dijon mustard shop. What's pretzel dipping, here? spicy Two brown. Mustards. Gotta be spicy brown. Okay, so he's got a signature put that on, a brat, on a hot dog, a little bit of sauerkraut, a little spicy brown. Okay, call it a day. Yeah, mm. yeah, I like a spicy brown. You know what? For me, it depends on what I'm eating, right? Like, for a, a pretzel, you know what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. I'm doing honey mustard. Ooh, you know that's what I'm saying? sweet. I feel like but, it's usually the yellow mustard for a pretzel. Yeah, I'm doing honey mustard, man. You get the sweet and the saltiness of the pretzel. Especially if the pretzel's warm, little, little steamy too. Oh, yeah. The oven. It's almost mm-hmm. like it's like a baked good, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess a pretzel is a baked it's good. It's like a Cinnabon, but, but yeah, exactly. savory. But on a hot dog... Give me spicy brown. Mm-hmm. On a hamburger, give me classic yellow. See, I like yellow on the hamburger. Yeah. A little ketchup mustard, a little bit of mayo, lettuce, tomato. Damn, you can buy – I'm, I'm on Bijan's uh, mustard website. You can get like uh, – so the his, the main thing, it, it is, of course, a Dijon mustard. Okay. You can get two bottles. He's not or, calling it Grey Poupon, though. No, it's called, it's <laughs> called Bijan mustard, son. You can get two. You can get two bottles for fifteen ninety. Dang, we so gotta get pretty, some. That's not bad. Then, what are the you, ounce contents? So how big is that bottle? Uh, I don't know. Those looks like a pretty standard size bottle right, of mustard. Good. And then he's got. Uh, and then he he sells these for seventy five dollars. What you can get a Bijan Week One game bottle complete with his game stats, the date, and an autograph from Bijan himself. Hmm. Only one bottle available. You gotta Buy get that this shit. super special one. It's only seventy five bucks. Yeah, it's sold out. It looks oh. like all these these Man. game bottles are okay. Say. Yeah, I guess he just sells one for each game that's got oh. his stats on the back. Well, if he becomes an eagle, I'll be buying bucks. that he's shit. A, he's a, yeah, he's a very my birthday's probably right around week he's one. A real entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, Hey, he should be an eagle, man. Just based on his mustard love alone, he'd be a great fit in the I city. Mean, yeah, as a sandwich selling, city, be, uh, he would fit right in with the mustard. Damn he could right. be using his mustard at the link. You, you got know? also you and Jalen Hurts sells hot sauce. You get the on it. That's a good point. Hurts sells hot, hot sauce. Bijan sells mustard. It's yeah. a match made in we'll heaven. Have the condiment yeah, this, game on dude, lock, they, and they have the same agent. That's what I'm saying. So this is like, oh is it, shit, is it a lock in that he's an eagle? Then you know what else? Jergens has his jerky too. Damn. Come on now. They'll have the yeah, local, dude, the local a, food market on lock. Yeah, you have a whole whole ass meal. Selick still has that bar in Philly. Selick will be selling Hertz hot sauce, yeah. Bijan hot mustard. Sauce, you know Bichon. when Kelsey retires, he's going to have a beer. Probably have a couple some beers in the bar. city. Yeah. yeah, he'll have like some kind of, you know, fucking uh, IPA or some shit like that. But, um... So anyway, do we think they could actually draft this guy? <laughs> we're, talking, we're talking about his mustard for like 10 minutes. Uh, as we said last week, I don't really see it at 10, but... That that would shock me. Um, I mean, I think this... I mean, I'm thinking they're bringing him in maybe to see, like, is this a guy who maybe is worth moving up for from that 31st or like, what, the 30th pick or whatever, 31st? 
um that maybe but it's still i mean i think i saw like the, the eagles haven't drafted a running back in the first round since like 86 or some shit like that i mean if i'm pl- if i'm like trying i i see it as being very unlikely but if i'm uh you know playing the like devil's advocate or whatever if you're looking at the big picture here and saying like okay we lost a few of these guys on defense like however they kind of fill the holes and construct that however whichever way you slice it that defense is probably not going to be as good as it was last year and going forward like their recipe says it's for success is going to be having like a like crazy good elite offense like trying to have like the number one offense in the league and like what better way to do that than have like the best running back in the draft sitting next to uh uh sitting next to jalen hurts and shotgun I don't know. I mean, that's not enough for me, but because I think that, you know, in the way the the game would actually play out, the difference between having a guy like that and having just like, you know, someone you draft in the second or third round, is it like a crazy big difference? I don't know. Maybe it is, but. You still have Gibbs, too. I mean, Alabama's got no joke. Yeah, there's other guys. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, if you look at, you know, Tennessee's going to want to move on from Derrick Henry probably this year if not after this year, and they're sitting at, what, 12? So you figure if you can lock down Weatherspoon or, God forbid, somehow Porter's still sitting there at 10. If he's not, if he's at 10 and you figure you got the Patriots behind us, I don't I don't know the exact order, but there's not that many teams behind us, you know, but the Patriots and then the Titans behind that. But if you trade at 12 and let them get B. John, you get Porter, maybe you get the 34th because I think Tennessee has like the 34th or 34th. 35th pick as well not a first rounder but close enough to that 30th pick where you're going to get top talent as well to fill that a guard spot you know a a cornerback that you don't really need too many maybe a linebacker at the 34 35 slot you know you got Vander Sluice or whoever that guy is from from Iowa I mean there's guys out there that you can fill that because you're white you know those because you're white Mm -hmm. kind of positions or you know, things like that that you lost also. I mean, free agency, we got pretty much picked apart from coaching staff, from defense, secondary players, like guys that are backups that you don't think about when you watch a game. But when someone got hurt last year, you didn't really flinch too much because you figured, I know they hear next man mentality. I think that's overplayed. But the Eagles truly, with the way that we have coaches for Stoutland, our D-line, our secondary, like those guys, they could play any given Sunday as well. And I think that if you did trade out that 10th pick, within reason, I think 10 to 15 is a good buffer. I wouldn't go below that. You could get value within that same draft and still get guys that you needed one. But it depends. I mean, like we said, Howie hasn't picked a running back in the first round ever. And I think his earliest was second round. Both, I I double-checked that Sanders and McCoy are pretty much around the same exact pick, Mm -hmm. second round. Yeah, and yeah. there's guys I mean, out I mean, there. The other, the, the other thing about it too is, I mean, even uh, you know, um, beyond just like would they pick a guy uh, running back in the first round? You have to be thinking about like, would they be willing to extend a running back like ever? <laughs> like you know, when's you know? I mean, it just my, doesn't happen very often. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to really be thinking of him as like a long-term franchise player to pick a guy in the first round and it's like is there any running back that they're going to be willing to do that with i don't know i also want to put a weird idea out there what if and i just thought about this today but what if there's a world where you know you trade with let's say you know carolina's on a rebuild they're shipping out everybody 
We saw Harry Roseman is not immune to trading his first-round pick for an active player. Could there be a suitor for the Birds that you would trade the 10th pick for that would fill that a hole somewhere, a defensive player, a linebacker? Is there someone out there that you would shop out that 10th pick like a Brian Burns? Mm. Yeah, that's intriguing. You would get give them the 10th pick, you get Brian Burns, and get their 15th pick. Cause they have, and then you still get a quality player at 15. That have, is intriguing. You know, they have two first rounds still. They got the number one pick, so they got that locked down, obviously. But they have another one to shop out. They could just, you know, float something. I, last year's draft really threw me for a loop. I never yeah. expected Howie to do that with a with a player to do that. And I knew the whole hype about A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts. Yeah. And it romance. worked out like as well as you could have possibly imagined. Right, so, so why not? Enter, I'm sure not people would again. entertain Howie. Hey, Howie, I got, you know. I don't know. I don't know who they would, would what they would do. But what are your thoughts on that? I'd be intrigued by a Brent Burns, or I'm sorry, not a Brent Burns, Brian Burns, right? <laughs> yeah, like the yeah hockey I'm player. thinking of the hockey player. <laughs> yeah, yeah hey, I'd man, be intrigued. He plays defense. We need, we need more defense. <laughs> Howie Roseman, best GM for the Eagles and the Flyers at the same time. <laughs> yeah. He probably could run GM for the Flyers. He sure as hell would have been mm-hmm. better than Chuck Fletcher. But uh, that's a different story for a different day. But. Yeah, I'd be intrigued by trading out for a player that can help you win now at a position of need. Defensive end, defensive tackle is what they really need right now. Um, I'm into it. If you get a first-round pick that you can still use along with the 30th pick, go for it. Um, As far as what other players are out there that might be available, I'd have to really do my research, but for the right guy, I don't see anything wrong with that. I You know, and I think that yeah, I think we're hung up on the the running back situation, right? I mean, doesn't really matter if they draft him or not. They're going to run by committee anyway. That's just how this team operates, how they how they roll, how really any NFL team is kind of leaning toward because you don't have that cowbell anymore. You can't rely on that. And a lot of these guys that are playing in college, you know, if, if they play junior, senior year, I'm more enticed to sign them. If they play sophomore, junior year, and that guy's a junior and wants to go in the NFL, I'd pick him up before I picked the guy that played for three years because those yeah. knees are already hurting. It makes a big difference. You're, yeah. seeing, you're seeing teams now move on from Ezekiel Elliott. Derrick Henry is a freak of nature. He'll be a Hall of Famer for sure. But the fact that, you know, you got a good four or five-year stint, that's about it. I mean, yeah, with or without Dalvin a great Cook, O-line, you're Saquon not going to have – Barkley, like these guys not gonna, don't last. And you're not going to have this O-line for forever. So you got maybe one year for sure of – almost the exact same pieces, but you already lost Simualu, so that's a big gap. I mean, and not a sexy player, not a sexy name but by any means. really underrated but on this team, he though. he gave up two sacks in two years. I mean, Pittsburgh got a real one right there. And yeah. he and run-blocking stats, I couldn't even imagine what they probably are. But those are big shoes to fill, too. And you figure you lost a backup tackle in Dillard. You lost a starting guard. Cam Jurgensen, as I mentioned before, is undersized. So he's I'm, not much smaller than say Amalo. I looked that up after you mentioned it. He's like an inch smaller and like maybe ten pounds lighter. I I hear you, but you know, Simualo just had that sense of I get it's that it. Polynesian yeah. power, and you had him. Ne- <laughs> you know, you have him next to Malata as well, and that's that's no joke. Or next to uh, Lane Johnson, but you know. I don't think the tenth pick needs to be hung up too much on the running back game. I mean, if he's there, I think they definitely entertain it. But at the same time, you're gonna have teams like Tennessee chomping at the bit to sub in uh Derrick Henry. They're more of a run team than Ooh. we are. 
Would yeah, Tennessee give up? Go, I think if they do like reach for Bijan, it's going to be moving up from their second uh, first round pick, not the tenth. I I would I would be floored. I mean, no, you know, I, in a I, bad way. Like I'd be shocked if they yeah. actually use the tenth pick. I don't see us back. moving up at all. I think we're going to stop at ten. I think that's a comfortable spot to be at because I think that that still beats out everybody but Washington. Hmm. It might even beat Washington. We might even beat the whole division with that tenth pick, which is where you want to be at. Yeah, I think we might. If because the Saints were worse than everybody, and that's whose pick that is. Yeah, I think you're probably right. So you're at a great spot, not only logistically at the tenth pick against everybody, but the fact that you have a one edge on your division now. Historically, Howie Roseman hasn't been the best at, you know, playing the draft, but the last two years have shown us that he's learned his lesson and. Knows that the SEC is where to draft. Took long enough. Yeah. <laughs> and that you don't trade stupid shit to get, you know, a guy that you think is some kind of one-hit wonder from TCU. Oh, but, Jesus you know. Christ. <laughs> our, our boy Rager. Oh, man. But, uh, you know, I think thinking of uh, players that are on other teams that might be willing to trade to the 10th pick, would Tennessee give us whatever their pick is? Uh, and Jeffrey Simmons for 10, so they could draft B. John Robinson, I wonder. It's like Jeffrey Simmons gives us that, that dog on the D-line, mm-hmm. man, which we could really use. But And he's like at a midpoint in his career. He's not he's like necessarily older, in his not, prime. He's not a, old, you right. know what I mean? You'd also be looking at taking that contract, too. I think when we got A.J. Brown, we had to take that contract True. as yeah. well. But I think that he's on a friendly deal. I could see something like that happening. I'm not going to lie. If you can retain, like I said, if they have like the 12th or 14th pick, you give up 10, you get a player, and you only fall back four spots, that's not bad. And you still have two first-round picks. So, essentially, you got, you know. Yeah. You get two. You get three, essentially. Two picks and a, pl- a, right. and a really good player. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Pro- I think. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, just to, to wrap up with the Eagles thing, I think as far as running back goes, I feel like they feel decent about Rashad Penny. They didn't give him a whole lot of money, but I think they're really taking a gamble on him staying healthy. Yeah. I love the healthy, signing. I love the signing because there's like zero risk. Yeah. I mean, you could get he could get hurt the first game, and it's like, well, that sucks, but whatever. Anybody could. Yeah, but it, like if he stays healthy, that he could be like huge for them. Um, yeah, and it's like – He's obviously only going to be here this year because if he is if he is healthy and is good, he's going to get a deal somewhere else. Right. And if not, then we're not going to keep him. So it's like you're kind of just taking a shot at catching lightning in a bottle, which you know I I think I think it's more than worth it. I love the signing. Yeah, what I think they do is they draft a running back later in the draft, second, third round, fourth round, and sort of let him that running back com- contribute to the the running back by committee approach, and then Penny's gone. I think Boston Scott was only signed to a one-year extension. Those guys are gone. Next year, you're looking at Gainwell and whoever this back they potentially draft as your two guys in the backfield. So, uh, probably want to move on to the Sixers. We're kind of getting up against it here. Oh. Um, Sixers, uh, we're cruising. And, uh, you know, eight wins in a row. And then last night, they run up against the juggernaut Chicago Bulls <laughs> and have one of the sloppiest games I've seen all year. Um, yeah, I mean, granted, I mean, they were about to, bound to lose one sooner or later, but, man, that was ugly. Yeah, like, 
I've watched some pretty ugly games where I'm like, damn, man, this is like watching some 90s or early 2000s basketball. Just no pace. Just you want to call it good defense. It wasn't even good defense last yeah. night. It was just bad offense. But uh, no pace, bad offense, just everyone's missing shots. Everyone's turning the ball over. Refs are just missing calls left and right. Just nothing about that game was pretty. But uh, give the Sixers credit. They they hung around and beat even in what you would call an off night, still puts up 37-17 and has a game in two weeks and still yeah. has like a, you know, a crazy stat line. And then uh, Maxi woke up towards the, the end of the game. DeAnthony Melton balled. But, uh, yeah, I think the, the biggest reason why they lost is because James Harden just did not look great. <laughs> Yeah, really bad, and, um, you know, as we teased earlier, there's a ch- idea that he might be injured, and um, not that long ago, we got word that uh, he's officially questionable for tomorrow night's game, um, or, like, when, uh, well, I guess when this comes out, it'll be tomorrow night's game, Wednesday night against the Bulls, questionable with an Achilles injury, so... I mean, I guess that probably explains a lot why, why he was so bad. Kind of insane that he stayed in that entire right. game. That was, you know, that's just, um, and it's like, I mean, it, it was getting to the point where you really wanted to be like, you know what, Doc's actually been pretty good lately. Like, he's been using the, you know, the rotations have been good. He, uh, you know, hasn't been throwing, uh, you know, fucking Deadman in or uh, uh, Harrell. Harrell in there. You know, things have been looking pretty good for Doc. Maybe maybe he's coming around. And then just leaves uh, James Harden in the game, who's wh- – whether he was injured or not, was just – should not have been in that game going down the stretch. Just – yeah, I mean, he, he had, like, no interest in actually playing point Dude, guard. he just stood in the corner the whole time until they threw him the ball. You could have gotten that from Shake Milton. Yeah. Shit, they, they, you could they have gotten that from Furkan Korkmaz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But – uh. Yeah, as far as that goes, I think that was his worst game as a Sixer. I can think of a couple last year, the last game against Miami in the playoffs that rival it. But, uh, yeah, hopefully it's nothing serious because yeah. otherwise the good vibes that we've been feeling the last couple I mean, it's weeks. Hard to, I mean, it, you know, if it was, like, semi-serious, it's hard for me to believe that, like, Harden himself wouldn't have been less like, hey, I got to sit out. Like, he loves to play, though. I guess it's a long yeah, game, know, man. It's I just mean, like bizarre. Uh, it seems a little bizarre, but I mean, maybe it was just sort of a nagging thing, and it's just something where he's going to have to rest for a couple of weeks. Like, hopefully, we'll see. Like, to also been playing some. T- I mean, that eight game win streak was a, you know, not for nothing, a long, tough stretch of yeah, yeah. Good, hard solid. minutes. So he could just be. T- I mean, the guy he's not his, not his prime anymore. He could just be tired and you know, caught up to him a little bit. He could take a couple of days off, but I don't look at it as a. I'm not concerned at all about this team. I mean, it it sucked because whenever you're on a streak, it feels good to just keep winning, and it's not like you lost to a, a great team. But that's kind of how win streaks go, right? Especially in the NBA where you're on a hot hand and you give one up here and yeah. there. Could Coming home winnable. after a road trip. It's a it's winnable like, game. That's what's more annoying that, is that, that you had yeah, it. Yeah, that's the annoying part is because they have this like really tough stretch coming up mm-hmm. and like these two games against Chicago, you're like, all right, well, these should be both wins. March Madness yeah. should just stick with the NCAA. We don't want it to be seeping into yeah, the we NBA. Don't need more yeah, we don't need more. Yeah, that shit. That, yeah. that game looked like a fucking March Madness game. Yeah, I was. Mm-hmm. I've been watching a lot of you know, obviously oh, more. God. Someone's bracket just got fucked up. Watching, but like, 
yeah, I was watching that Sixers game and I was like, damn, this feels this is, this feels exactly like this fucking March yeah. Madness games only without the stakes, so it's not as fun. Yeah, is this Princeton playing right now? I mean, yeah, it, you it know, did but... advance, yeah. It was just really shitty offense. Like it was very reminiscent of just a college basketball game. No one no one could even hold the on to the turnovers ball. Turnovers were insane. Yeah, you would throw they throw but and beat the ball. That's been a common the theme though. He's just dropping it. Everyone's but, dropping the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was you would have thought the ball was covered in baby oil or something, man. That was bananas. The turnovers have been a that has been their biggest crutch, in, even in this whole eight-game win streak. I mean, look at against Cleveland. I get it, the third-ranked defense and all that. A couple weeks, a couple days ago, whatever it was, but double-digit turnovers in the first half. Come on, yeah. now. I mean, that yeah, that's you can't. A good point. You can't play. You can't prepare yourself for the playoffs and coming down this stretch when you got Boston at a crucial spot at the last game of the year, and you're giving up 18, 20 turnovers a game, you can't do that and expect to make it out of the second round, which they don't do. So, like, you know, you got to start tightening some shit up. Yeah. Whether or not people are hurt or not, you're all tired. The whole NBA is tired at this point. It's a long season. It's a grueling season. You have Embiid at arguably, you know, his best year ever. You can't be giving the ball up on stupid passes. People think that someone's over here in the corner. We're over. That was last year's bullshit. Harden's new. He's not used to the players he's playing with. And they're still just having these dumb passes and dumb just turnovers. It's not even like, you know, a good play on the defense. They just are doing stupid shit. Yeah, the offense last night was just completely out of sync. And to your point, that Cleveland game, that first half, the same thing. They just took forever to wake up. They woke up in the third quarter of that game, but... In the playoffs, man, you have to be ready to go from the jump. And against your Bostons, your Milwaukee's, probably even your Miami's, if you mess around and commit mm-hmm. 15 turnovers in a half, you're going to lose. You're not going to come back from that. Yeah, <laughs> watching that game last night had me going through this uh, like insane nightmare scenario where the the uh, the Sixers get the second seed and then the, the Bulls like you know fight their way into the play and get the – the, you know, the seventh, I guess, and then knock out the Sixers oh, in the first God, round. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, all because of uh, Pat Beverly's just dog defense. Yeah, <laughs> Pat Bev is hilarious, man. That dude is something else. Like, um, I hate him because he's not on the Sixers, and the Sixers kind of have a younger, less less energetic version of him and DeAnthony Melton, but Pat Bev has always been one of my favorite yeah. players in the NBA. But, yeah, people – People would lose their minds and say that you know what the Sixers need? They need a Pat Bev. Mm-hmm. Then Embiid yeah. would start catering for signing Pat Bev. Then we'd sign Pat Bev. We'd have thirty-five-year-old Pat Bev and thirty-eight-year-old PJ Tucker, yeah. all because right. they got that dog. In right. Which but, would work yeah, though? It probably would work. Honestly, old, it wouldn't be a bad thing. Yeah, it's it's a dog. It's you know it's an old dog with arthritis that probably. <laughs> Should be put down, and its owners are just in denial, and they're you know keeping the shitty dog around for <laughs> way too long. It's just not good for the dogs, not good for them, but it's a dog. But uh, Embiid, speaking of MVP favorite now, in a short time, I last I mean last week when we recorded, I think he was at he was closing in, and he was maybe like I don't know, like plus. Uh, 200 or something in the eyes Jokic was still in the front but it's totally flipped around I think I haven't checked lately but I think he was it's like minus 150 minus 200 last time I checked 
Yeah, so he's like firmly in the front, and I think you know it has a lot to do with um, you know the Nuggets have been kind of on a bad stretch. Uh, Jokic is still kind of putting up the same type of numbers, but just hasn't like you know aesthetically it just has the you know he's gotten exposed on defense yeah that's what it is a lot of people now are really starting to pay attention to yeah i think the defense is starting to come into focus too because i mean because earlier in the year and you know admittedly is just kind of like yeah i'm not gonna play as hard he doesn't try as hard he says he's a little out of shape too he's a little you know season i gotta be good for the playoffs spends spends the summer down at the shore getting all fat happy with the family the little kid like a true philadelphian it happens (laughs) of course and like lately like Embiid has been picking it up on defense he's been like you know really good he's been a really great rim protector lately he's been Mm -hmm. like racking up blocks in all these games and so yeah that and meanwhile Jokic in, in these games where the the Nuggets have been kind of on a on a slide has just been getting turnstiled. Yeah, they've got one of the worst defenses in the league so, in the last yeah, month. So just yep. you know, on the defensive side of the ball, you can just see the stark difference there, and I think that's influenced some of the 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 uh, you know the odds and all that. And even MB with his offensive game, right, breaking franchise records and shit like that in the past couple of weeks, like the guys locking down not only great shots but records and things like that, getting more on the. On the scale of the national media, which is great. Stephen A. Smith coming out saying all that, what he did, you know, it's great to see. But we'll see what happens because I feel like this happens again every other year where people are like, you know what, maybe MB should be MVP. And then something happens in like the last month yeah. or two of the season. Like they're like, just yeah, ourselves up for it. yeah even it's more like, you know, massive disappointment. Right. It's, it's going to come down to these games against the, the Nuggets and the Bucks at the end of the year. That, that's kind of what it came down to last year, you remember. They played the Nuggets that game on national TV in late March. Uh, and Embiid yeah. outplayed Jokic, but mm-hmm. Jokic won. And I think that kind of convinced people that Jokic should have won. It's it's going to be the same thing again mm-hmm. this year. The Sixers play the Nuggets and the Bucks. The Bucks play the Nuggets and the Sixers. And, like, everyone kind of plays each other. The three yep. guys kind of play each other. And whoever comes out of that 2-0 and with the best record, I hate to say it, like, it's dumb that it comes down to just head-to-head record and not – how much value actually yeah. mean to Especially your team, that but that's what it's going to come down to. Too. I mean, it says something that we have about the same record as the Nuggets, and we're third and they're first. Right. If you have a note in here that says, Dr. J doesn't know ball. Yeah, so watching this <laughs> game <laughs> last night, man, this. Um, I don't know. I hope Dr. J doesn't come after me. Yeah. But, doc, <laughs> so... They had Dr. J, and uh, they had a bunch of, like, the 1982-1983 Sixers in the Wells Fargo Center last night for, I guess it would be the 40-year. Damn, that's a long time. 40 years. The 40-year celebration of them winning. And they had Dr. J come up to the booth for a little bit to call the game with Kate and Ala. So, like, Ala's, like, he's a kid in a candy store, man, talking about how he grew up loving Dr. J, and Dr. J had him sitting on, like, a wall or something in uh some basketball camp or whatever, but they get to talking to Dr. J about the current game and the current Sixers. And he starts talking about how he really liked the Sixers chances because they have four, three or four rim protectors. I forget. So he proceeds to name Embiid, obviously, but then he names Montrez Harrell <laughs> as a rim protector and names B-ball Paul who can kind of protect the rim. Yeah. And, uh, I don't think he mentioned Deadman, so I think he's referred to him having three rim protectors. Now I'm thinking, Montrezl Harrell's six seven with like a six five wingspan, man. How is he a rim protector? He can't jump. <laughs> so that's the first thing, man. Like 
He clearly doesn't watch the games. Montrezl Harrell hasn't played in probably Mm-mm. three weeks. So Dr. J <laughs> yeah. doesn't know ball there. Like, it's like this guy's big and plays center. I'm sure he can yeah, protect he he This is what I'll say. He yeah. could have been a center in 1982 for sure, yeah. but not in two, 2023. Yeah, Montre- Montrezl Harrell would have been a monster against the Showtime Lakers. Oh, God, <laughs> dude. Montrezl Harrell would have been balling. But uh, then the other thing he said is they were talking about players that have a chance of ending up in the rafters at the Wells Fargo Center. Obviously, we know Embiid's number is going to be retired someday. Mm-hmm. Maxi, he's young enough that if he stays with the team and continues on the trajectory he's on, it happens. Harden, he won't be retired in Philly, but his number will be retired in Houston. 13 will be retired yeah, in Houston. 100%. But then Dr. J says Tobias no. Harris could end up in the Come Raptors. On. I was watching the game Hell and I remember no. this interview, but I wasn't really paying close enough attention. I did not remember that he at all. He said that. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm just like, he's That's smoking bad dope. fucking rules. So, Jesus. so good. He starts saying Tobias is an all-star caliber player, which he had one year where he should have made the all-star yeah. caliber. Oh, one year of snub, but that's it. Yeah, there was like one year where he was like getting about like 20 points a game. You might as well put Nerlens Noel up there too next yeah. to him. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, you could put Markel Fultz's shoulder up there <laughs> yeah. if you're going to put you could Tobias patch up. Harris up there. Jeez. Putting Michael Carter-Williams. You could put Ben Simmons' yeah, head, yeah. Markel Fultz's yeah. shoulder. Andrew Bynum's knee. <laughs> Yeah, we could just yeah. make a player out of all these guys' body Oka parts Ford's and retire that. looking face. Yeah, it'd be all up there. But uh, Tobias Harris. That's so good. Good yeah, they'd God. Be the ultimate, I don't even know if Dr. J's a boomer. I guess he is. The ultimate boomer take on on Philadelphia sports. Yes, know who Tobias there. has been stealing money. Like, yeah. all, with all due respect to Tobias, great guy. Seems like a great guy anyway. Yeah. Never met the guy. Tobias. Might as well put Al Horford up there too then. <laughs> and like I can I can kind of appreciate how like Tobias is like, you know, when they brought Harden in and they asked him to take a different role, like he wasn't like a bitch about it. Like he was kinda like, Okay, I'll like shoot threes. I'll shoot some catchers through shoot threes and this and that, blah blah blah. But yeah, I mean he's still He's still stealing money. I mean, the <laughs> fact that, that money. Right. the fact that he would even think about blinking an eye to like you bring in a guy like Harden and Tobias is like, man, I don't know if I can step aside. Like, what? Obviously, you're not on the same level here. Like, you gotta step aside. What are you talking about? He should have been shitting a brick when they brought Butler in. Yeah, yeah, that whole like that whole Butler Harris Simmons and B team that that was. It wasn't an ideal situation for Tobias. It wasn't an ideal situation for Ben. (laughs) You didn't mention J.J. Reddick. (laughs) Oh, I forgot about him, quite frankly. Sorry about that, J.J. Reddick. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I think to Tobias, man, like, he's understood his role on this team, but he's way overpaid, far overqualified for the role, and – I mean, he's he's only ever been a role player. Certainly a decent NBA player, but if any team is retiring his his jersey number – whoever's running that team needs to have their head looked at. He's only ever been and always ever will be. No, no disrespect. It's okay. He's a role guy. That's all he ever is. And he's never had that dog in him to ever be anything other than that. Yeah, no dogs. into <laughs> My man, I mean, it's just bitched about not being an all-star. Bitched about everybody coming in that's better than him. Like, dude, there's only one way to get over that, and that's to hit the gym and be better then. But if you're not, then just accept what your role is, and it's okay. He's a phenomenal player, but come on now. Certainly not getting his, his jersey retired. Oh. He's, he'll never make an all-star team. And, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, that's it, man. Like, these old guys watch the game, and they don't really watch the game. Right? Just Dr. J sees what it is and just assumes this guy would have been good in my era. Yeah, Tobias Harris would have been probably Dr. J in Dr. J's era, but game done changed, and uh, Boomer's got to keep up. That, that's all I got on that, though. I thought that was comical watching the game last night. I love that. So we got a few, maybe a few minutes left here. So uh, I wanted to bring up, would, would you, what do you guys make of this whole banking crisis? <laughs> You're following this thing? The, uh, the, the Silicon Valley Bank is, is gone kaputs? That shit blows. I, I, I don't know how. It's just hard to keep up with, to be honest with you. But again, I another- don't really understand it. I don't get any of it, man. <laughs> I'm like, do I need to take but, my money out of the bank and hide it in well, my maybe. mattress? Well, I don't think we do, but I do think it would be fun to be part of one of these bank runs, to be like the guy who has to show up at the bank and be like, give me my money. Yeah, I want <laughs> my- just like everyone's just calmly like standing in line doing normal shit and you just run in there like a psycho. Just yeah. like, I need my money. I'm taking everything out but 20 bucks to keep the account open. Yeah. yeah. What would, where would, <laughs> if you had to, uh, you know, if you if it came down to it, and you had to like take out your money and and you know bury some little cash reserves like Pablo Escobar, where would you where would you put it? Hmm. Damn, that's a good question. I mean, I probably just hide it in a mat- my mattress, but uh, that's that's like not a very good answer. Scattered around a little bit, you don't want it all in one place. Yeah, that's you know? true. I was, well, I was think I was I'd thinking about put it in a cemetery somewhere. I, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about maybe you go down to FDR Park and. But the problem oh, is, I wouldn't bury it there. Well, the problem is they're going to doing that construction soon, so yeah. it's all going to get dredged up. Yeah. So maybe what all, you do? All those that's when Silicon Valley hit. All those old the, South Philly people were like, "Hold up, now they're they're ripping up the old golf park." That's where they all ran down. There. That's what their old reserve got blown up. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's 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 why all those people don't want uh, all those like save the meadows people. They all yeah. want it because they all got their cash buried. Not my retirement there. fund. That's why they yeah during the pandemic. They all used it as a as a little cash reservoir. You thinking them sand banks are just from the old golf course? No, it's <laughs> from everybody yeah, digging up that old if dirt. Maybe if you can't do FDR, maybe you um, maybe you just move up the up the road a little bit. You put it in Marconi or Marconi Plaza. Mm, the old right in well, the, they just unwrapped know, it. This is what you do. Uh, this is what you, do. you show up in the dead of night with a jackhammer, <laughs> and you and you just and you just start uh, ripping up the ground right in front of the Columbus <laughs> statue. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's not a safe bet, man. All those meatballs are out yeah, there on no, patrol but, but out then, front of that thing. When they come out with their, uh, you know, their baseball bats, they're just they're like, "Hey, buddy, what are you doing?" You're like, "Look, no, I'm I'm not I'm not trying to tear down the Columbus statue. I'm just trying to bury bury two thousand dollars of cash." <laughs> Go ahead, you got right it. underneath okay. the cement here. I'm going to put it all back. Don't worry about it. all that shit's just fucking dumb to me. To be honest, I mean, just you know. Don't don't bail out anybody with that. As long as you're a bank, yeah, ninety billion dollars in a have day. Money for this to matter to me. Oh, exactly. Mm-mm. I woke up. I was like, hmm, interesting. And then I took a shit and I went all my day. Original FDIC insurance, not the like extra, the extra FDIC insurance that the rich people get. <laughs> no, no one's bailed by. It's okay. But yeah, I think I don't know. I would probably bury my money. I buried in that park down the street from here, where I almost got shot. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the Wolfville <laughs> Street Park. Uh, yeah. Nah, nah. They did a lot of construction there. That's probably not did safe. They? Recently, yeah. Oh shit! Because I used to, I would go down there and shoot hoops a little bit, but I haven't been down there. In a yeah, while. there was some construction down there. Um, I probably buried under ninety five. Down under by 90. me. 
just, just like you... take a jackhammer to the concrete. Yeah, like mm-hmm. under like where all those cars are parked. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone's just digging par- up just, under there. Yeah, just do that. And just park an old beater over there. You know, yeah. one of those one of those abandoned cars that, that never gets removed. Like they'll never move it. Just so. right in the trunk. Yeah. Yeah. There's one spot. I think the other spot would be uh, what's that park called? Not Penny Packer, Penn Treaty Park, up there with the hipsters and the yuppies in uh, Fishtown. I could probably get away oh, with that. I think up I know there. what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, across the street Penny from uh, Sugar House or whatever it's yeah, called like now. It's along I could probably get the, away with that. On the trail? Yeah. Yeah, you could probably get away with that. Yeah, if where else? Wildwood. I would go down to Wildwood. Damn, you're going all the way to Wildwood to I'm bury like, some money? No one ever expect that shit. You know what I mean? You yeah, got to go someplace far. You can't be doing this shit you know, in your own backyard. Yeah, you you got to be... What about the eating, people you know? with their metal detector? Well, if it's, it's paper all money, cash, yeah. baby. <laughs> cash. <laughs> I'm just burying... I'm burying... Uh, uh, like a thousand dollars of quarters in the, in the wildwood sand. One of those big like water jugs full with like, all your quarters. You just, you just like come down to get it, and there's just some guy like with like huge sacks on the like, local God news. Yeah, I like, guess on the local news, you're like, God I knew this was damn a bad it. idea. <laughs> I even took the time to roll them up. There was because the there was a. a I don't know if this actually happened or was this something that was in like Narcos, but I think there was like where one of <laughs> one of Pablo Escobar's like look burying cash things. I think this was Pablo Escobar, maybe someone else, but like they buried the cash, but like the plastic that it had wrapped in got fucked up, so it just got exposed and just like disintegrated. Like, oh, damn. So it was all fucked. Yeah, you don't want that to happen. You got to make sure you you got to uh, use one of those like vacuum sealer things. There was a guy we knew down at the shop where he had cash stored. He's on an old biker gang and had it like underneath his floorboards in his bedroom or wherever and was in prison for a couple of years. He came back out and he was like unfazed. He was like, oh man, I'm about to go home, pull up some cash, no big deal. Pulled up his floorboards and a mouse got in there and it was all like 100K shredded oh, up. Oh no. Jeez. A mouse just nesting up. He was like, ah. You know what I mean? So you can't be, you get, you got to. You gotta Think have it in, in ahead. Yeah, you gotta have it in some like you get some Amazon, like some nice quarters is a good idea, some or nice some stuff. gold yeah. bars, some like silver, you know, the little ingots or whatever you got. Like you, you can like every once in a while you can find a quarter that's been around since like the sixties, seventies. Exactly, you ever find a dollar that's bill not that disintegrating. No. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're talking ingots. We're talking gold doubloons. Yeah, We're gold talking- doubloons. Sacagawea <laughs> dollars. <laughs> Get some sacks. We're investing back in gold. Fuck the bank. We'll be all right. We'll be okay. Damn. Well, I think that's a good note to end it on. Uh, we'll be back next week, which I'm sure there'll be much more things happening. <laughs> um, all right. For uh, all of us here, see you later. Goodbye. Good night. See you later. Bye, y'all.